angry, 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 angry at arthritis. Hello and welcome to another episode of Angry at Arthritis. My name is Steve O'Keefe and uh, I am your host today. Angry at Arthritis is all about trying to find cures for osteoarthritis and importantly, providing consumer direct access to the leading science. We're all about providing more information for patients and also providing a platform for you to direct fund cures. So thank you for being with us this morning. And we're sitting down to hear from Ben Wiley with Sparta Bio. I refer to Ben as the bionic man, and I'll explain why as we get into it. I was lucky enough to be granted an audience with the team at Sparta down in Durham. It's been over a year now. We sat down together and talked about the technology and where it was, and I know that it's moved on a fair amount since then. So we're delighted to be joined by Ben. Let me do a uh, brief introduction and we'll get to it. It is my pleasure to introduce Professor Ben Wiley, a renowned researcher in the Department of Chemistry at Duke University. His trailblazing work in the creation of new materials has provided innovative solutions to previously insurmountable challenges. With an impressive portfolio of over 13 patents and more than 120 peer-reviewed articles, Professor Wiley's research has been recognized by Thomson Reuters as being the top 1% of most cited in its field. In 2020, Dr. Wiley's lab achieved a significant milestone by developing the first material with the strength and slipperiness of cartilage. That certainly caught my eye when I read that article with the strength and slipperiness of cartilage. And this is artificial synthetic material that mimics the function of human cartilage. This breakthrough was followed by an even more remarkable achievement in 2022, when they reported an improved material that has five times the strength of our native cartilage. As the chief technology officer of Sparta Biomedical, Dr. Wiley has played a pivotal role in translating these groundbreaking discoveries into the developments of the first human knee replacements that mimic the properties of native cartilage and enable immediate weight bearing. Ben, the bionic man, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's great to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks so much for starting this podcast, Steve, and for the invitation. So Ben, could we start off, where do you live and what do you do? Obviously, I've said a little of that, but we'd love to hear it in your own words. Yeah, I live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I've been a professor at Duke in the Department of Chemistry since 2009. It's a mix of teaching and mentorship of a research group that's numbered, you know, as high as 10 people, a mix of graduate students and recent PhD graduates. My lab has focused on development of new materials. I particularly like to solve problems we do focus on some fundamental science as well, but what really gets me cited is when we can find a really difficult problem, that, especially one that people are really desperate to solve. NOA is certainly one of those problems. I often say the biggest problem with osteoarthritis is that it's not more fatal, or maybe not more directly fatal, because right. as you appreciate 
the debilitation that arthritis brings about causes a cascade of health issues. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a silent killer in a way since it kills people's quality of life and people just kind of disappear, right, from being active, but they're suffering. And when you put something out there that might do something for them, you definitely hear from them. Um, Absolutely. And I think also because people aren't active, they gain weight. When they gain yeah. weight, their chances for heart disease and diabetes and many other very serious terminal diseases significantly increases. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of uh, puts you in a downward spiral, right? If you're a little bit overweight and that that's not good for your joints. And then if you hurt your joints and you're less mobile, yeah, you just gain more weight. So yeah, I agree. Slippery slope, so to speak. Ben, could you tell us how long have you been engaged in the field and what drew you to osteoarthritis? I kind of fell into it in 2018. We were looking at creating new materials for 3D printing. Uh, and I was excited about that because it's kind of a direct to consumer materials play where usually it's pretty challenging to develop a new material because you have to develop this whole supply chain. But you know, people have been working on 3D printed tissues, so that's very exciting. And they said they needed stronger hydrogels. So we created a 3D printed meniscus as a demonstration of the strength of our hydrogel and had a, an image of it in the knee. And I started to get hundreds of emails from people asking me to 3D print them a new knee. And it was, it was very surprising and unexpected and just clearly showed that there was a huge problem here. So from there, you know, we started to speak with surgeons and refine our target. The feedback was we really want to focus on um, the cartilage of the femoral condyles as, as being the place where it's most in need of some kind of repair or replacement. Funny, when we got a 3D printer, we started 3D printing bottle openers. You started printing meniscus. Fantastic. Please explain your galene engineered cartilage technology. What is it and what is its promise? Let me back up and talking a little bit about cartilage because it's a remarkable material, right? So cartilage is 80% water, but it can hold the weight of a car on the area of the size of a coin. You know, so for a long time, it's just been, there's nothing like it, really nothing even close. And so in 2018, that was the target that we set out for ourselves, create artificial cartilage. People have been trying to grow cellular versions of cartilage for decades, and that's been you know, 10 times weaker than real cartilage. And so we looked at different approaches that have been taken in the literature. You know, some approaches had better compression strength, others had better strength in tension and, and pulling. And initially, we kind of combined these approaches. So basically, polyvinyl alcohol is one of the strongest hydrogels or polymers that contain water in compression. There's a form of cellulose that is synthesized by bacteria that is among one of the strongest biomaterials in tension. And so we essentially combined these to create the first version of galene, which was the first material that matched the properties of cartilage. We subsequently found that if we just dried this material out <laughs> in, in an oven and then put it back in water, it became you know, many times stronger. That's the, the follow-up work in 2022. 
where we, we had this further discovery because we really wanted to make something that was stronger than cartilage. We wanted to have basically no risk that it would fracture even for the heaviest people. And then the final missing piece, and I think this is, has been a missing piece across all cartilage repair strategies, is how do you attach these materials to bone? Because you can't just squirt it in there and expect it to stay in place while you're shearing it you know, with hundreds of pounds of force. Uh, it's just unrealistic. And the best that anyone had come up with was super glue, which is kind of unbelievable, right? Like super glue is the best we can do. We found that in these sheets of cellulose, we could clamp them to a piece of titanium. Bone loves titanium. So that's what orthopedic implants are made of. So we clamped these cellulose sheets to titanium, infuse our polyvinyl alcohol, and that's how we got it attached with a strength that is several times higher than the attachment strength of cartilage to bone. So now you have an implant, you can stick it in, it anchors into your bone, your bone grows in, and on the top surface, it's not metal anymore. It's basically this galene, this artificial cartilage. So your cartilage is stronger than natural cartilage, and your attachment to the bone is stronger than the attachment of natural cartilage to the bone. Is that accurate? Correct. Yes. Yeah, Who several times. Like <laughs> I wouldn't like that. So what is the promise of Galene? So the promise to me, I think the best way to understand it is by analogy. When you go to the dentist and you have a hole in your tooth, the dentist doesn't tell you, okay, let's try to grow you a new tooth over the next six months. But that's the current paradigm of cartilage repair. People don't want to wait. They shouldn't have to wait, you know, and, and the many of them have biology that's not conducive to regrowing cartilage, right? They're overweight. They're not exercising. They might have diabetes or other complicating factors. We thought was, well, why don't we have something that you can just stick in there and get going, you know, within 24 hours. And so that's really the promise here. What's been missing is having a material that mimics cartilage, just like a filling mimics teeth right? You can't put a piece of metal or a piece of plastic in there. It's going to wear away your opposing cartilage on your tibia and just make things worse. So you needed to have a material with a strength and the water content where the water acts as a, a lubricating and bearing material to prevent wear. And we've now done five years worth of testing of wear on these implants. In most of the implants, the wear is not even measurable within the error of the measurement. And that's in animals or where have you done that? That's uh, where the implant is against animal cartilage. Now, is Galene a plug? And you know, would that be an alternative to Macy? Can it be used for broader osteoarthritis rather than just focal lesions? I believe so, yeah. We are starting with focal lesions as kind of a beachhead market. You know, there's really nothing there today for people that that's good. Macy has similar rates of failure as, as microfracture. The best thing people can do is allograft. That's usually not the first thing surgeons will choose, but putting in cadaveric bone on cartilage has a, a failure rate of 20%. So a success rate of 80% at 10 years versus um, a failure rate of 50% or so for microfracture and Macy. But there's obviously a very limited availability of fresh cadaveric tissue as to be less than 30 days old. And so we really see this as a synthetic alternative to allograft, except that it's stronger, it's off the shelf, and allograft, you can't get walking the next day, 
you have to wait for things to kind of grow in because the press fit is fairly weak where ours is much stronger. And so you can just get going and get back to your rehab, get back to your favorite activities much sooner. So today you're focused on focal lesions as an entry point and you're looking hopefully downstream at a solution for osteoarthritis. Is that accurate? That's right. Yeah. So we think this technology can go to any joint. We've prototyped several different geometries for the knee. But I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that we're offering people metal on polyethylene plastic. And the failure mode is usually because the plastic is wearing away, turning all these particles in your joint and causing your bone to die and the implant loosens. That's really a bad situation. <laughs> and, and the reason why people aren't getting these earlier is because they only last you know, 10 to 20 years because of this failure mode. So we wanted to put something in that wouldn't cause things to get, to get worse ultimately, but would still allow you to be mobile. Yeah. I have a friend that, so I'm 56. He's the same age as I am. And uh, he's already had three hips. He had oh the, uh, the Johnson Johnson hip. Uh, he's had one knee replacement. He's pretty battered, I'm afraid. And of course the knee will time out. So yeah. the challenge of getting these knee replacements early is that they do time out and can be very problematic. Yes. Um, you're taking a very different path than the organic cartilage replacement approaches. We talked a little bit about Macy and touched on some of these things. What do you see as the advantages of artificial cartilage implants? I think the primary advantage is that time to recovery. The longer you wait after a surgery, the harder it gets to recover because your, your tissue is, is constantly trying to heal. So you need to get moving again. Otherwise, you're going to have you know, scar tissue or improper healing. So I think that is just huge because that hasn't really been there before. All the current options, you're looking at 12 months of recovery. And then I think beyond that, there's a lot of places, several joints where they'll typically do something like fusion today, like fingers or toes. As we mentioned, there's a lot of joints this can go into. Right. So you're looking very definitely looking downstream beyond knees and you are looking at hands as well. Yeah. Hands, elbows, knees and hips, ankle, toes. Yeah. Basically every articulating joint as you get older degrades. So having something that prevents, basically removes the pain and allows you to you know, act as you normally did is needed. Yeah. No, amen to that. It's interesting. So one in seven American adults today has osteoarthritis. I thought this was an interesting statistic. Wow. Yeah. If you live long enough, you will get osteoarthritis. 100% is the number if you live long enough. So, um, and as our population ages, that's going to be more and more of a factor. We yeah. touched on this, but maybe you could just hit it again. Why do you feel that joint replacements fall short? The biggest thing is the limited lifetime and the invasiveness. If you get a total joint, what they're doing is they're cutting off the ends of your bones, your femur and tibia, and replacing that with metal on plastic. That lasts 10, 20, maybe as much as 25 years, depending on how you treat it. It's metal on polyethylene, right? So you're wearing the polymer away. It goes in, degrades your bones, can loosen the implant, and then you need a replacement, which generally doesn't work as well because you don't have a lot, uh, the same amount of bone to work with as you originally had. And as you can imagine, 25 years on, you're older and not necessarily wanting to get back in the operating room. And so the other thing is the limited range of motion. 
that the knee implant offer, uh, the current total joints offer, and that the fact that they're just, again, it's metal on plastic, so it's not feeling or behaving like your normal joint. So a lot of uh, high impact sports, running, may be restricted or discouraged for patients with joint replacements. Yeah, I had dinner with a friend of mine, a former congressman who had two knees done 10 mm -hmm. years ago. And he was saying that, you know, going to a baseball game, he, he cannot sit for more than 20 minutes or he gets excruciating pain in both knees. So that's no fun. So let's turn to look at, you know, more deeply at your research. Where are you today? What, what is the status of Galene? What's the status of Sparta Bio? What's going on? Yeah, so we received breakthrough designation from the FDA in early 2020. Since then, we've been working closely with the FDA to map out and then execute on all the preclinical activities necessary for gaining approval to go into a human trial. Those are almost all complete. I just came back from our partners at Colorado State University last week where we had our, our three-month sheep data. Everything looked really fantastic. So now we're just waiting on the six-month data before we file our what's called the IDE, Investigational Device Exemption, after which the FDA will have, I believe it's 60 days to approve it. Then we'll be going into the humans, uh, hopefully in December of this year. We're currently raising money for that trial. We're raising a, a $4 million round to fund almost all of that will go to the, the trial, primarily covering the, the medical care of the patients, as well as the people overseeing the trial. Terrific. That sounds exciting. So my next question is, we already talked about your timeline for clinical trials, hopefully December of this year. If someone wants to be part of that, what do they do? Yeah, so they can go to our website, spartabiomedical.com or spartabio.com, I think either work, enter their name and email information. We can't, you know, collect more than that right now, but that at least will allow us to notify people once the trial does open. Brace yourself for an avalanche, but uh, that's great. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, to we've already have uh, over three thousand people registered, <laughs> and I don't say that to be discouraging, but we've been, you know, humbled really by the response. Well, I think it shows the pent up demand for this type of approach, and people are super excited. I mean, I found you through—I think it was a stat article. I can't remember where I found it, but mm -hmm. you know, I read the article and uh, reached out to you. I think directly and. Uh, yourself and, and Dushyant and, and Ken, and we sat down, you were very kind to take a, an email from some rando. So you are very accessible and we all really appreciate that. So this is not just about replacing cartilage. We need to address the underlying causes that made the cartilage disappear. As you replace cartilage, have you considered combinant therapy? And maybe you could talk a little bit about this notion of the joint as a whole organ. I'll preface this by saying I'm not necessarily an arthritis researcher per se, so, and I've been in this since, since 2018. And there's kind of two classes of joint injury, at least for me, right? You've got your, your sports-related, and then there's kind of the more osteoarthritis type where it's, it's kind of like aging. There's multiple pathways involved. It's a very complicated disease, which is in part hindered, and the, the complication of this combination of injury and aging, I think has made it challenging to identify like what's really going on. And that's a necessary precursor to drugs to block pathways that we don't want. 
I think first and foremost, the things that we already know that to slow down aging, right? Healthy weight, regular exercise, healthy diet helps. And beyond that, the towards a cure, I think some of the most exciting things that, that people are working on is again, finding these pathways. So people know that there's pathways involved with cartilage degradation. And so can we find molecules that block those pathways so that the, the um, small this is the small molecule therapies and yeah. the windy pathways yeah. and those types of things yeah small molecules that you inject or eat to rebalance so you're not degrading as as much i think that's the probably the most likely on the near term the most likely new therapies outside of devices, you know, in the pharma realm that will, that will come to market. And there's a few of those that people are working on. And then further out, I think, you know, everyone's really excited, right, about genetic therapies, people working on even <laughs> reversing the aging pathways. <laughs> I think those could be very exciting to bring to bear. But I think at this stage, there's, there's still issues to work out in terms of safety. Typically, those therapies are only being tried in, in patients where it's either life or death or blindness or sight, you know, something more extreme. But I expect they'll come around to Apoe. I know people have been working on it. Yeah, David Sinclair, of course, is the, is the yeah. project we're on or the leader of the band on the anti-aging bandwagon. And right. there, are, there are a lot of, and we'll talk you know, more about those in, the, in subsequent podcasts, looking at the D-mode, the disease-modifying osteoarthritis drugs in the pipeline. So thank you. I think too, that having a device like ours, just to go back to the tooth analogy a little bit, right? So when you have a cavity, you got to take care of it, or otherwise you lose your whole tooth. So having something like Sparta's implant, where it's just off the shelf, you just go, you have a scope, you know, you go into the surgeon, what's going on? They'll stick in a scope in your knee. Oh, there's a hole there. Oh, let's pop in this cavity filler, this Sparta or me implant is what we call it, or me means to move in Greek. So going along with the Sparta theme, you pop that in there and maybe you're not even sedated. A lot of these things it do waste down anesthesia and then you just, it's taken care of and you just go on with your life. And so instead of letting the whole, yeah, yeah. the whole joint or the whole tooth uh, rot away, you have something that can prevent the inflammation, prevent the degradation. And so I think that's really exciting to have because I, I just wonder how many people will maybe not even need a total knee or other joints where they have something that they can fill in. Just the area that's damaged, catch it at an earlier stage. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest challenge for you in your procedure and also for the broader quest to address osteoarthritis? Right now, it's money. <laughs> so... You know, running the ultimate clinical trial with 200 patients is around $30 million. And so raising that amount of money, that's why we're looking at doing a smaller human trial first, because a lot of the feedback we get is, let's see how it works in humans. Yeah. So that's why we have to take this stage approach rather than getting it to the market potentially faster if we had the money. I think that's the biggest challenge. From a, a surgery perspective, we've worked with our surgeon advisory board done multiple cadaver labs where they have uh, instruments set now they can put this implant in in as little as 10 minutes versus like 40 minutes for an allograft. So really reducing the risk of infection because you're not open as long. 
from a surgery perspective, I don't see many challenges, but obviously we have to see how it does in humans, put it in, make sure everything's safe. Everything in the sheep has been going beautifully. So it seems like the cartilage loves this hydrogel. It's growing right up next to it, sometimes over a little bit. So we expect things to go very well, but you know, obviously we still need to do the trial. If everything goes great, best case scenario, what do you think your timeline is into the clinic? So the FDA requires a two-year safety endpoint as part of kind of a standard procedure for these trials. And we expect enrollment of 200 patients to be about a year. So we're looking at, you know, in the three to four year timeframe before this would be on the market. Best case scenario, obviously. And as you look at recruiting, you're going to be looking at certain criteria in terms of who you bring in. Obviously, you're looking for, I'm guessing you're looking for healthier patients who are more mobile and the like. Is that accurate? Not necessarily. We have a pretty wide window, 18 to 75 is our current window. And the clinical trial, I'd just say the acceptance criteria haven't been finalized. So this is still evolving. We're actually going to a higher BMI than is typical in these trials. In terms of the Kellegrin-Lawrence score. By BMI, uh, you mean weight, yeah. correct? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and then... Um, yeah, Kellegrin-Warrant score of up to three. And that means basically you have a defect, but your, your total knee hasn't completely degenerated. So sometimes we get people reaching out where unfortunately they might just be too far along for a partial knee resurfacing solution, which is what we have. And they might just be a better candidate for a total knee. Some of these trials, they've been too restrictive and it's taken a long time for them to get enrollment. And so Dishant, the CEO of Sparta, has been really focused on, you know, how can we really get the enrollment going fast so we can get this to market quickly? I guess in closing, Ben, what would you see as the biggest opportunity in our common quest for a cure to osteoarthritis? I'm so glad that you are organizing attention for this because I think I think attention is one of the biggest opportunities. Our attention organization, we don't really have eyes on what people are doing, what people are trying. Is it successful? Is it not? And obviously, more money is part of the solution, but also maybe more focus and discussion on what works and what doesn't. Because I guess, you know, my path has been, I applied for many grants to the NIH you know, I'm not part of that community. I'm kind of an outsider. So I wasn't, it's understanding that I got all of them rejected, <laughs> eight grants, but it's also kind of frustrating because you have these feedback from the community of people on the panel where, you know, they're just interested in growing cartilage and we're offering an alternative solution. There's a lot of cases where growing cartilage might be the right option, especially for younger patients. We don't oppose to doing both, but it's like, okay, what's really missing in this cartilage growth pathway and what do we need to make things happen in a different way? And there's people doing that, but then of course there's other, it's maybe, maybe not as focused an effort as it could be. That's probably the biggest opportunity. Let's clean things up. Let's get focused, you know, have everyone be on the same page and then just dump a lot of money into what makes sense <laughs> and not, not dump money on things that we're just treading over old ground. 
No, I applaud you for that, Ben. I applaud you and your colleagues at Sparta, Deschamps and Ken, in terms of what you're doing. The path to a cure for osteoarthritis is littered with the carcasses of failures. And so we need to shake it up. We need to get patients excited about the fact that there could be cures. You know, was it uh, Einstein or Mark Twain or whoever said that the definition of insanity is to assume the same behavior and expect a different outcome? I do think yeah. that patients are the most important force in terms of driving real change in this terrible disease. And so, listen, we salute you and your colleagues for trying something different. It's exciting. And we're all behind you in terms of the success of Sparta and Galene. So thanks for your time, Ben. I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you for taking the time as well. If you'd like to make a contribution to support the emerging osteoarthritis cures, you can do that on our website. Just click the donate button. Angry at Arthritis is your platform to take action to end this disease. You don't have to be a Rockefeller. A $5 contribution here or there certainly adds up. Let's not get angry at arthritis. Let's get even.